Um, you know, we've we, we've talked a lot lately about Black Baby Jesus because we because <laughs> I said something about Baby Jesus and you said no Black Baby Jesus and Black Baby Jesus apparently trumps White Baby Jesus and why is that? <laughs> because Jesus was black. <laughs> okay. You. I am so excited that you are here. I've known you for how many years now? How long have you worked at Jazz Fest? In the beginning, like when I'm sure I first met you, I used to be, I don't know if you remember this, I used to be like a special VIP invited guest of Reggie's. Uh-huh, Reginald Toussaint, uh-huh, the music director for Jazz Fest. Uh-huh. And then, you know, after a couple years, he's like, well... I mean, everybody knows you, and they, you know, they do what you want. So you're just gonna have to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so now here we are. I think I want to say maybe it's been like 15 years. Yeah, that sounds about I think right. It's been a long time. I like that. Like that. That sounds about right. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. Well, I'm Tammy McCall Browning. Um, if this is like a social media thing, then the hashtag for most people would be RHOA Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I'm sure you're going to ask me a billion questions. You know and I'm, I am. And I'm still going to, I'm still like, you know, in PTSD. And my therapist is always going to get a big check every year. <laughs> um, but aside from that, mm-hmm. I am actually a modern ballerina and a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. We are based in Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, I am the mother to... Uh, my black and white zebra twins, Freedom <laughs> and Luke, who are both 28 years old, and they actually are six six days apart in age. Uh-huh. So from one, two different marriages, or? two different marriages. Uh-huh. Yep. So my white husband used to have a white wife, and they had a white son. <laughs> and my first husband was black, and uh-huh. we have a black son. Uh-huh. <laughs> And um, thus the zebra twins. And the zebra twins. Uh-huh. So they've been together since they were seven years old, and they're twenty eight now. So oh, they are cool. brothers. That is very. They cool. are brothers. So my my little zebra twins. One of the things that made me want to interview you is because from the very very beginning, I knew that you and I were fun, friendly, have a great time, and yet the absolute additive integers from each other when it comes to style and fashion. We are polar opposites. I haven't bought any new clothes since 1993, and I'm and you've seen me. You know I'm not making that up, right, Tracy? Uh, every time I go to throw something out or put give it to Goodwill, she's like, "Let me look at that." <laughs> it's true. And I'm like, "It's not, you know, no, no. Let me let me look at it." Right. <laughs> and then I, and then I take it on, and that's what I do. You, how many clothes do you have? Oh, dude. Come on now. But here's the thing. It's not just a clothing thing. You are the absolute epitome of gorgeous everything. And I'm not just making that up. If people go to your website or go to your Facebook page or go to anything, that's what you do. You are fabulous. Okay, but the funny thing about what you just said and what you just said was that you're going to take things to Goodwill and she says let me look at it 
I'm not joking. Uh-huh. 80% of my uh, wardrobe uh-huh. has come from thrift stores. Uh-huh. And I'm not joking. Uh-huh. Like, Goodwill is is my jam. Like, uh-huh. the, dude, I... <laughs> When most I assure peop- when you, most when I'm people- taking the goodwill is not your jam. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you. Uh, the but I, I'd easily say about eighty percent of my clothes are from the '60s and '70s because uh-huh. that's when they actually knew how to make clothes uh-huh. and that that fabric. You you know you can't find any of that kind of that level or quality of fabric and detailing. Uh-huh. The one place that I actually do shop for current designers, mm-hmm. the only place is UAL in New Orleans. Tracy's nodding. She knows UAL. UAL on Charters, UAL on Magazine, UAL in Metairie. And what I just found out recently is that they actually have a UAL also in Austin. So in answer, let me get back. How many clothes? Okay, so we have a three-story house in Atlanta. (laughs) My husband has never had any closet room. His closet is the hallway closet when you enter the house. (laughs) But he doesn't. But he doesn't need a closet, and we'll. I'll tell you why. Uh huh. But the the two rooms that used to be. The zebra twins rooms uh-huh. <laughs> are now closets. Uh, wait, the whole and, rooms are. Closets? Oh yes, the entire rooms are full of clothing. Racks and racks of clothes. Yes. Uh huh. Okay, your clothing, not your husband's. Absolute. Okay. Not it. And mm-hmm. also the the entire basement, the entire floor, is also a closet. Racks and racks of clothes uh-huh. with mirrors and televisions and. It's my fun, happy place. <laughs> do you just like put clothes on and then change them out and then change them out? Oh, no. What do you do? Well, luckily, thanks to COVID, my ballet teacher and I uh, launched our clothing line and opened up a store. So we have an actual physical store uh-huh. in Atlanta where we will never, ever, 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 ever run out of inventory because <laughs> I literally wake up go pull a couple pieces and go take it and add it to inventory in our store. Wow. Wow. And Good you, every, the other day it was raining. It was just a yucky day. And you come to Jazz Fest and you've got the <laughs> weirdest, wildest, most fabulous raincoat I've ever seen, even. It's puffy. <laughs> it looks like a recliner. <laughs> and it, and it's it's the most fabulous thing to wear on the plane because it's so it's you know it's puffy and cushy and comforty and i i can zip it up and it's like i've got a pillow and what's really funny is it's technically it's not even a raincoat it's just a puffer uh-huh. but whatever this this designer i found she's based in spain it repels the water uh-huh. so i mean it's a super fucking fabulous raincoat. <laughs> and it's shiny and comfy and yes, it just even on a and on a rainy day like like you were saying that day um because black baby Jesus was mad at us. Right, right. We're going to talk about black baby Jesus. Uh-huh. All right, so we got dumped on a little bit. Uh-huh. Um but yes, it's it's nice and fun for me to still feel like I'm bring in a little bit of sunshine mm-hmm. when it's yucky out. You know, and, and it's interesting because I get up, I just put on whatever. I never, I, you know, I, 
if it smells bad, I won't wear it. If it smells good, I can wear it. Yay! If I wore it three times, but it smells good, I'll put it back on. You, I don't think, do that. <laughs> Tell I me about your I use of the world in the world of clothing. The, like, like when I hear people say that they lay out their clothes the night before or whatever, I'm like, ugh. Like, okay, that's so weird. That's so weird. Like, how do you know what you're going to feel like the next day? Oh. So for me, getting dressed is... It's like my art. Uh-huh. I write like signs, we, you get dressed. Like, this is cool. Right. I get like it. The, and, I, and I think I can speak for my ballet teacher and my co-designer also. She doesn't like, she kind of does what you do uh-huh. in terms of the, just pulls on whatever and if it's not stinky, whatever. <laughs> right. She does that. Uh-huh. But for me... Getting dressed and putting together my outfit is my way of expressing myself uh-huh. and my art. Uh-huh. So she, I think of it and I design it in my head. Mm-hmm. I can't sew for shit. I, mm-hmm. I can't sew. But Miss Annette, my ballet teacher, I can tell her, okay, I want this, this, and this, and I want the sleeve to puff here, and I want da 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 And, you know, she makes it. Uh-huh. Bam, there wow. it is. She so sews I, it? So I think it, oh yes. Uh-huh. So I think it and poof, uh-huh. she makes it happen. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and and of course we will post um, links to everything so people can see what we're talking about here. Because you're not just a regular person. You're amazing all the time, oh every my, single day, you're dude, amazing. like, what the fuck? Why didn't you let me do this podcast earlier? If, I've heard, <laughs> if I'd known I was going to get all these <laughs> awesome compliments. <laughs> what the fuck, Nan? Well, like, you know, you what see took why, so long? You see why? Because we didn't have Jeff's Festival now. That's why I didn't see you all this time. Oh, okay. yeah. yes, we had, yes, wanted yes, to yes, do it in person, yes. too. That was also very important. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing, as you pointed out a few minutes ago, well, no, wait, let's talk for, no, there's so many things to talk about. Let us, in fact, talk about one day a couple of years ago, you came in and said, I, you know, I'm saying, what have you been doing all year? I was on the Real Housewives of Atlanta, you said. Tell me about that. That was oh, wild. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let me take a deep breath. Black baby Jesus. Okay, so what had happened was. Yes. <laughs> um, a friend of mine who is in the film and television industry, uh, one of my dearest friends from Spelman College, Atlanta. Spelman! Um, I guess one of the producers saw us out somewhere together and asked her, you know, well, who is she? And, you know, what's her deal? So, uh, basically, the producers, you know, were trying to pitch it to me like, well, uh, well, actually, I was answering them when we were, when we met, you know, I was like, I really don't think that you guys want me because, you know, from what I've seen of your show, the people are really kind of, um, and I don't think I said ghetto, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure they understood that I was saying ghetto Mm -hmm. or like, um, really combative and like, you know, I don't like throw drinks and throw tables and, Mm -hmm. If I call somebody a bitch, that means the only, the only way I'm going to call you a bitch means like you're my girl. Like we've been through some shit. Okay, like, right, right. It's a term of endearment. Absolute term of endearment. Uh-huh. Like, you know, so I really don't think I'm like, you know, what you're looking for. So, you know, they're like, oh, but 
we really want to class up the show. We want to talk about how you're a ballerina, how you graduated from Spelman, how your son is a rapper. And, you know, we want to promote his career. And I mean, when I say those people know what they're doing, because check, check. check. Oh, you want to promote my son's career? Oh, you want to? Okay. You know, they, they completely had me thinking, all right, well, this is this is just going to be the shit. Uh-huh. And, you know, so then when they so they start filming and originally they were filming hours of um me and ballet rehearsal, um my husband and I together, um cuz my husband is the men's tennis coach at Emory University. Uh-huh. Um, which is why he doesn't need a big closet. Which is absolutely why he does not <laughs> need a closet. Because the only thing he wears is that little same shit that Nike sends him. So why okay. on earth would he need a closet? Right, exactly. I mean, come Makes on sense. Um, so yeah, hours of, of ballet rehearsal. Um, my husband and I, um, my son. Just when I say there's, there's got to be a good hundred hours of film on Bravo's uh-huh. editing room floor uh-huh. because they never used any of it. Uh-huh. The only stuff they used was when they threw me in the group trip situations with the other ladies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Woo. Um, yeah. So they knew that I liked Corona light. Uh-huh. So what they would do is when they put us in these group situations, they're good at what they do. They would stock the refrigerators full of Corona lights and then they'd have bar, you know, the open bar for, you know, whatever uh, Cavassier or whatever the other people drank. Uh-huh. Um, because people that watch reality shows, I don't know if they really pay attention to and obviously there's a whole lot that goes down mm-hmm. that's not seen. Mm-hmm, right. Um, but even what they actually show on screen, if you if you are a really big like reality show person, if you sit there and look at it, it's always, you know, in a, a bar or a restaurant or whatever. There's always a shit ton of alcohol uh-huh. going on. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it gets people lubed up and, you know, whatever. And you know, the, the producers will kind of come and whisper in, in somebody's ear, oh, you know, to get shit started. And really, that's just the whole thing is to start the shit and let it play out and uh-huh. make sure you get it on, on film. So they hated me because I could drink a box or a 12 pack of Corona Light and I'm still not going to get ghetto and ratchet. <laughs> so it just wasn't working for them. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sure they just hated me. Um, but they, you know, they, it just, it really was um, so unsettling. And it just felt like my soul was being sucked out. Because it just really, you know, they, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like being in a situation where the other people involved will throw their mother up under a bus uh-huh. if they can stay on TV. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, it's so, oh. I remember you telling me a story, too, about something in an episode that happened, like at a swimming pool or something. Yes, we were, it was a group trip in Miami. And, you know, what they did was, like, rent this big mansion, um, 
uh, you know, we each had our individual rooms or whatever. But one of my fake nephews, like fake, a, a fake kid, on the TV show, no, fake in real life. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so, like, I don't know if white people do play cousins. Uh-uh. Do y'all do that? I don't think we do that. Maybe so, so. I don't know. <laughs> I ain't got any. <laughs> so, so black people, like, if uh, if my son has grown up with his friends uh-huh. like they've been friends since they were babies uh-huh. and so they've grown up together uh-huh. they're play cousins okay even though they're not right you know blood biologically cousins right so we call them play cousins okay so my nephew my play nephew mm-hmm. who at the time was uh playing in the nba and was living in miami you know since we were going to be there you know he and one of his friends came and met us out at a restaurant and you know in the beginning it was great but eventually as all the alcohol was you know getting going uh-huh. and we ended up on a yacht headed back to our mansion it got kind of ugly by the time we got back to the mansion um one person who I'm not going to say her name but obviously you know people uh-huh. that watch the show know exactly who it is <laughs> was uh, really kind of like hitting on my nephew and it was just really weird like so my son is 28 so that means little Glenn is now 29 or 30 um, but this was like eight years ago so oh my god I'm so bad with numbers <laughs> but anyway okay so he was, just, young. He was, he was very very young uh-huh like this chick is definitely older than I am, uh-huh. and I'm 52, uh-huh. so I'm going to say she's probably now like maybe 57 or 58. Uh-huh. So it was really like, ugh, like gross. Like, what are you doing? And plus, it's your that's your nephew. And, yeah. yeah, I'm like super young and just ugh. But she was just like really, 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 really aggressive, uh-huh. like really over aggressive, and he was not paying attention to her. So she was getting more and more agitated and more aggressive. And she started like snapping in his face, really, really disrespectful. Uh So by the time we got back to the mansion, things got really, really heated. And, you know, he said and, you know, some things that maybe weren't so nice. And she basically tried to have him have security, kick him out physically. And so, I ran over to them like, dude, you're not going to touch him. Do not touch him. I will deal with him. Like it just, so I ended up slipping because we were at the pool. It was wet. I ended up slipping and like my head hit the, the whatever. And I blacked out. Wow. All of this is being filmed? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Oh. So, and it's real. It's not even staged. Oh, it's no, real. That was real. Wow. But that was 100% real. Yeah. Um, so... They, needless to say, there are many annoying gifts and memes. And <laughs> oh gosh! But at this stage in my life, some of that shit really is funny. <laughs> like some, <laughs> some of those fucking memes are hilarious. Um, but it was so. The bad part about it was the social media and everything just went crazy when it actually was televised, uh-huh. um, saying that my nephew had uh, physically abused me and domestic violence. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was so awful. It was 
really, really awful because he did not touch me. He did not anything. Uh-huh. I, you know, but they yeah. were making it like that he came over and pushed me or I mean, it was just terrible. Oh, that's awful. How did it that play awful. out? It, you fall down and black out. Then what happened? Oh, God. So I come to and they're all leaning over me, you know, fawning and yelling and screaming and, and the ambulance came and uh, took me to the to the emergency room. Um, and it was just a nightmare. But what was really super crazy was they didn't even have like a producer or somebody follow the ambulance to the hospital. So I get to the hospital and they're finishing doing everything, you know, hours later. And so my nephew and his friend jumped in the ambulance with me. Uh huh. All their stuff, their cars, their wallets, their phones, everything is still at the house. Oh, the wow. mansion. Uh huh. I have no phone, no purse, no nothing. I have nothing. They have nothing. We're stuck at the hospital. Stuck. Wow. I can't even get my phone to call my husband or the producer or anybody. I have nothing. So they had to end up calling some other friend of theirs to come and get all of us, which would not be that big of a deal, I guess, if we're like, yeah, we're going to such and such hotel. I don't have the address. I don't know where the hell this fucking house is. <laughs> wow. That's right. You have to go back to the mansion. Because to the get producers, your stuff. the production team has done all of our transport, travel, everything, you know. Right. It's not like I had Ubered to this fucking place. Right, right. So we finally, I don't know, Black Baby Jesus must have helped us because I don't even know how we got <laughs> back to the house. But it's like a big, huge, gated thing. I had to fucking climb over the fucking gate to get back into the house. Oh, my gosh. It was absolute. I mean, you can't make this shit up. No. It was a fucking nightmare. And I'm I'm just fascinated because all of this staging and all of this, all this production. And, of course, Tracy, you know, you live in the world of production. All of this production. And yet, ah, the the real. There wasn't a PA anywhere that was thinking. Like, where did she go? Hello. Like, like nothing? Hello. Wow. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was, I mean, it was just horrendous. Okay. It was really horrendous. I have a great idea. We're going to do a new show, and it's going to be the real Housewives of Housewives of Atlanta. The, the actual what real really goes on. Housewives. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. and, and now that you mentioned that, there was only me and Kim Fields that was in that house that was actually married people. None of the other people were even wives. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The wow. unreal housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> how long? How long did that whole stint last? How long were you, were you on the show? Oh Lord. Um, so the actual, you know, the actual filming part is very different from you know when mm-hmm. they actually televise it. I'm already bad with numbers, but one reason that I can't really give you the exact amount of time is that. Uh, I've, we've my doctors and I figured out later on during this time period um, my brother had passed away uh, and during the time of filming I didn't know it then but I was in a year-long manic episode wow after my brother's death uh-huh. so there's a lot of stuff that I really don't remember at all mm-hmm. and um, I would actually have to ask other people other people how long we were actually filming Uh because I really don't remember a lot of it 
Um, but in total, so however many episodes they do per season, which uh-huh. I'm not really sure how many, I think I was only actually on like six episodes, uh-huh. but I'm not even sure about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Oh, because after the after the Miami fucking fiasco, that was the last day I, f- I filmed. Oh, that, really? Uh, yes. And was that, it your decision saying, I'm not in this anymore? Or did they say, oh, we're not sure? And that's that another, way. to the best of my recollection, they wanted me after the hospital. I was like, I'm not staying in that house. And they put me in a hotel that night. Uh-huh. And then the next day... They wanted to come pick me up and bring me back to the house uh-huh. to film. And I was on pain meds, you know, from what yeah. I was on, I was just all over the place. Sure. And I was on pain medication and I was afraid to go back into that environment um, in that state. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, Fuck you! I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. So uh, I guess I just fired myself. Right. So. <laughs> it sounds like it was a really good idea to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about too what you because we were talking about this not too long ago, a few weeks ago. You were telling me about your brother. Talk. Do you mind talking about your brother and what you I, found I, out about yourself in that time? Yeah, I do not mind at all. Um, because that also leads us into another world of yours too, which is. Dealing with people with mental health mental, issues, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my, I'm the oldest of four, mm-hmm. and so it's me, my sister Tiffany, um, my brother Philip, and my youngest brother Patrick. There's a seven year age difference between me and my brother Philip, and so me and Philip are basically like our physical. We look like twins. He looks like a boy me. Mm-hmm. And our chemical makeup is pretty much identical. Mm-hmm. And then my sister Tiffany and Patrick are absolutely nothing like me and Philip. Mm-hmm. They're polar opposites. I never had any obvious uh, signs of depression or anything like that growing up. Mm-hmm. But my brother started self-medicating at like 12. Was this Philip? Philip, okay. yes. And he started self-medicating around, I want to say around 11 or 12. Um, and by that, you mean what kind of drugs? Or alcohol? Or Alcohol. I mean, well, I think at that point, he could only get his hands on alcohol and weed. Mm-hmm. Um, but progressively, you know, right. getting, getting right. older, going on to harder stuff. And some stuff I do know about and some stuff I don't even want to know about. Right. Um, but, you know, when you have, when you already have a chemical imbalance... Obviously, introducing and and adding on, you know, these hard drugs and stuff is only spiraling it more out of control. Um, So with him, my family had to deal with just constant scary shit. Yeah. Constant, constant scary shit and hospitalizations, rehabs, um, just you name it. Yeah. It was just an ongoing, never-ending saga. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, he self-medicated himself to, you know, to death. Mm. And How old was you? When- <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, how old? I want to say he was... God, I'm so bad with numbers. The Okay, so I'm 52. 
I'm like, minus seven. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God. Wait. <laughs> okay, so minus seven would be 45. And how many years ago? And that was a, about eight years ago, I about think. About eight years ago. Yeah. So maybe he was... I want to say maybe he was like 37. Oh, okay. Not very old, in that, really. Yeah. I want to say he was 37, 38 in, mm-hmm. that, in, that, mm-hmm. in that realm. Right. Um, so for me, the when he died, uh, like I said, at that time, I did not know uh-huh. that I was in a manic episode. Uh-huh. Um, but so, so I basically was on autopilot or whatever I was doing for uh-huh. that year. Uh-huh. And it was October 1st. Uh, the day that he died and my birthday is October 2nd. So uh, that's a whole nother yeah. drama. Um, but so that year just go, 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 whatever I was doing. And so a year to the day, um, October 1st of, I guess that must've been 2016, mm-hmm. uh, woke up that day and it just completely flipped. So, I went into the depressive cycle, uh-huh. um, and it re- it felt it felt like the ground opened up and swallowed me. Really, um, and then every day after that, it was just sinking deeper, deeper, deeper. Um, and so, you know, I'm lying to my parents and my husband, and I'm fine, everything's fine. Um, <clears throat> but it was getting to a point where. Um, um, that was October 1st. So I, it was getting to a point when it was getting coming into the holiday season where every day I was just w- waking up like, okay, um, I want to die. I'm not supposed to be here. Wow. I'm supposed to be in heaven with my brother. Wow. I yeah. have no purpose on this earth. Uh-huh. I'm not supposed to be here and Googling, and I'm because I have zero pain tolerance, Googling painless ways to kill yourself. Wow. Um, so I'm. Um, in an active dialogue in my head, okay, you know that that you don't want to. You, this you're not supposed to be here, but you got to make it through the holidays mm-hmm. because you cannot do this to your parents. Mm-hmm. They've already lost one child, mm-hmm. so you just got to make it through the holidays. Just yeah. so, just putting on the fake face and lying, and but behind the scenes, I mean, I'm not leaving my bed. I'm not leaving my room. My husband, I can't eat. I can't, I'm not washing my ass, nothing. My husband is just a a nervous wreck. He's, you know, just going and buying food and bringing it to me, you know, three times, three, four times a day, trying to make me eat. And, you know, he, oh, my poor husband. I just, I know he's got some serious PTSD going on that he has not addressed yet. But um, so made it through Thanksgiving, Christmas and woke up. January 1st and slipped my wrist and woke up the next day in the hospital. Wow. 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 You woke up, though, in the hospital. Yep. I'm so glad that you did. Yep. And what did that do then? How did that affect your... And, I mean, that, well, that pretty much started the next phase of my life. Uh Uh-huh. You know, got... Got diagnosed, uh, bipolar one, met with uh, manic depressive uh, disorder. Uh-huh. So I have several diagnoses, but um, so I was there for I, guess, I think eight days until they got me stable. 
or you know what uh-huh. they what they feel like is stable enough uh-huh. to go home um and on a cocktail uh of anti- antipsychotics antidepressants mood stabilizers so basically that started the next cycle or whatever phase of life of trying to get that medication right mm, yeah and most people think oh okay well you know you you get diagnosed they give you a pill Okay, uh-huh. right. just go ahead. Everything's fine now. Right. And that is so far from anywhere close to the truth. Um, one thing with mental illness is, you know, it's not like you, it's a cancer and you can see it. Okay, so we can just carve it out and move it. Or, uh-huh. you know, we can right. do some chemo and shrink it. And, you know, we don't have that capability yet. Right. So as, as smart or, or as schooled and studied as, as doctors are, when it comes to mental illness, you're just you're throwing shit at a wall uh-huh. and see what's and right. seeing what sticks. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, we and now, you know, it's not like back in the old days where they just had like uh, one medication like lithium or whatever. Right. Now there's a billion medications, um, but trying to get the right combination together. So. uh it took me about two and a half years of trying different combinations. Wow. And nothing was right. Wow. Nothing. And so I ended up hospitalized two more times really? after that. Um, but I had enough self-awareness to know, okay, I'm, this isn't going good. I need to go back to the hospital. I need to be, mm-hmm. I need to be hospitalized again. Did you still have the suicidal tent or thoughts, or were you thinking I want to get out of that and move forward? I, it was I don't want to get back to where you being were being suicidal again. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so that the third time, the third hospitalization, because we had tried everything and so many combinations, it was really kind of a do or die situation at that point, um, and I ended up. Uh, doing 16 rounds of electroconvulsive shock ah. treatments. How did that work? It saved my life. Oh, that's so interesting. It saved my life. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't done it. Wow. Because nothing was working, and my brain needed that reboot. Uh-huh. Um, so now I'm I'm on uh, the same combination of meds that I was on when I got out of the hospital then, mm-hmm. and I've been stable for a few uh Wait, COVID was two, three years. So I've been stable now for four years. Oh, wow. Wow. And you said that, and but you said at some point that you're bipolar, right? Mm-hmm. So we, do you take the same medication year round? Does that help? Do you still have the manic or the, you know, do you still go through the episodes both ways? So I have, I don't think I'm having the episodes. Okay. All right. Because now, of that. Now that I'm on mm-hmm. the, the combination that I'm on. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure I probably am having episodes, but they're just not severe. Right. Um, really now my main thing is uh, the, the major disorder, the major depressive disorder. Um, when it comes to like his birthday, mm-hmm. when it comes to holidays, right. You know, and, and now I'm, I'm able to kind of, uh, 
arm myself with the tools uh-huh, of right. preparing. Yeah. Now, you know, this is going to be a tough day. Right. You know that Thanksgiving and Christmas is going to be tough. So right. let's let's start putting things in place. And right. For me, one of the things that I found that helps me is um, on days like his birthday, his birthday um, or the day he died, I'll make that a travel day. Oh, okay. So... I'll be actively, you know, flying to mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then my mind is focused on getting to the airport on time, getting to my gate, getting to... Right. That's really, really... Really, really... Clever of you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like in making sure that my mind, my brain is, you know, overloaded with other stimuli. Right. And that really helps me. Yeah. that's And it's interesting, too, because I do, and I only see you really once a year, and it's for just two weeks, but we always have such fun, and I always see you as a such a positive person, and I think this is very, very interesting. I did not know this about, about your life at all. Yeah. It was not fun. No, no. <laughs> but I do feel like, um, because I, for especially that period of time, really one of my main, one of the thoughts that was constantly going was, I have no purpose in life. Uh-huh. I have no purpose. There's there's no reason for me to be here. Right. And now I really realize that uh, that my brother didn't. I feel like my my brother didn't die in vain, mm-hmm. and that I am supposed to be talking about this, okay. and I do have a very like a purpose. Uh huh. Um. To help somebody, somebody, somewhere, this what what my brother went through and what I've gone through is going to be helpful to somebody somewhere. And do you do this officially, or just you just work individually with people that who you recognize have issues? I think the more that I talk about it publicly, right, the more that I feel like I'm supposed to talk yeah. about it more. So I did a panel last summer in uh, Martha's Vineyard, went so so amazingly well, and I felt so emboldened Mm -hmm. after it Um, and looking out into a crowd of people telling your story and talking about your experience and seeing people that don't know you at all boohoo crying Uh I mean it just it was I don't even know how to describe it Um, and the feedback that I got from people after that was just really just it was amazing yeah it was really, really amazing. So I'm really looking forward to to doing more public speaking. Um, yeah, about yeah. it. Um, you know, we've we we've talked a lot lately about Black Baby Jesus because we because <laughs> I said something about Baby Jesus and you said no Black Baby Jesus and Black Baby Jesus apparently trumps White Baby Jesus and why is that? <laughs> Because Jesus was black. <laughs> okay. The problem is everybody is praying to this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Uh-huh. No. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> Let's look in the history books. Um, he was Jewish and he was brown-skinned. So, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really know when I actually came up with that or started saying it. But I think that it's just some something that just... I don't know. It's yeah. just a thing for me now. Yeah. But I really think that it actually came from um, the Will Ferrell movie, um, Talladega Nights. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. So you yes, remember the yes, scene yes. where <laughs> where crazy. the other guy is yeah. like, 
I like my Jesus to be, you know, a rock star and a rock band. And, uh-huh. you know, well, I like my Jesus to be little baby Jesus in the manger. <laughs> like, okay, well, I like my Jesus to be black baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if if black baby Jesus came forth to help you through a lot of this. I mean, was that a, a was that a recognizable time oh, in your life with Black Baby Jesus? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. The, the, my parents are, are, I mean, I was raised in the Baptist church, and I don't consider myself to be like uh, an overly religious person mm-hmm. because I don't go to church every Sunday because I'm a heathen, but my parents very much so raised us where every Sunday we were at Sunday school and church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very spiritual, and I really, you know, I pray and I send my sons devotionals every morning and uh-huh. to get their day started. And um, But I, um, I'm a heathen because I don't go to church every Sunday. Uh-huh. But Black Baby Jesus loves me anyway. <laughs> um, and also my, my, uh, my white husband... Um, my father-in-law, who has passed away, was the uh, he was the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Uh-huh. So God knows who my my father-in-law is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Black Baby Jesus knows who my father-in-law is. So I'm gonna be good. Uh-huh. That's good. And did your father-in-law know about Black Baby Jesus? Knows that Baby my, Jesus. My father-in-law absolutely knew that Black Baby Jesus was black. Uh-huh. Yes, and he was cool with that. Oh. Absolutely, and he he was a he was a ground. Uh, his name was his name was uh, Presiding Bishop Edmund Browning. Uh-huh. He wrote several books, and he uh, has has books written about him. And he was very progressive uh, for the time. He he counseled four presidents. Well, um, really, both Bushes, Reagan and Clinton, and he was very progressive for the time, um, championing championing. Uh, gay and black huh. bishops. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. Huh. You just keep coming up with stuff got, all the time. I got lots of stuff. I know. Come on. What else you got in there? I got lots of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to make this a series. Okay, I know it. I know it. <laughs> it's just part one. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> well, this is fascinating. Thank you so much for coming here and talking to me today. You are so welcome. I, I had so much fun. I has. I always have fun with you. And I, Frida, I miss you already. <laughs> I, I'd like to but, apologize for Frida scratching under the yeah. Under the wagon. All of a sudden, Frida's yeah. got to do her thing. Yeah, yeah she was doing her thing loudly. <laughs> mm, I love her. I love you, Frida. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really loved this. This was awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Like I feel, I feel great. <laughs> Yay! I love that so much. And like I said, we will post your your website or you know just all your links to everything, and people can see how fabulous you really are. I'm so excited. And we can schedule the uh, second session. That's right. Right. With yes. the entire family all the way down. We'll go to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can do that. Road trip. Oh, yeah. That'd be Road fun. Trip. Oh my god, yes. that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know where to start. There was so much, so much, so yeah, much. I I did not know we were going there. I didn't know part of it. I knew something. I saw the look on your face. You yeah. had no idea. No, no. I knew I knew something, but I did not know. I had no idea about her attempted suicide at all. Wow. Yeah.
Yeah. Wow. And like I said, she always comes across. I've known her just, you know, I just know her for a few weeks a year. But she's always so joyful, joyful and cheerful and fun and we elegant. Laugh a lot. And elegant. Absolutely yeah. elegant. Well, and she's a dancer, so yes. the poise is yes. just, yeah. yeah. And like I said, seeing her in the, the raincoat the other day, everybody right. else is wearing big ponchos and everything else. And she's got yeah. this fabulous. <laughs> saw, she looked like a cupcake. It, it was really pretty fun. A fantastic cupcake. Yes. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. Great. And uh, yeah, and I, I just think it's so interesting, the lives of people. That's why I love this show, The Lives of People. I love... You start digging around. Yeah, finding yeah. out how what what's going on. The challenges. Yeah, everything yeah. going on. I'm, I'd be interested to speak to her husband and, uh-huh. and see what he was... Yes, yes. What he was going through at that time, too. Oh, my right? gosh, and absolutely, how he, yeah. how he handled that. Yeah, we have to go to Atlanta. We're going to have to go to Atlanta. It's so interesting about her brother. And I didn't get to ask this, but she... I mean, she was together while her brother was falling apart. Right. And then when her brother passed, then... She fell apart. She fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? That's interesting. The human brain is so interesting. That's the thing that just gets me over and over and over again, is how the human brain, we think we get it. We think we understand it. We think... And no, really, we, it just, we know nothing, John. We Snow. know nothing. It just takes its own path every time, and it's so interesting. That's yeah. that's what makes all this interesting to me. Yeah, how the human brain works. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna I'll leave it. I all right. I don't know what else. Do you have anything else? Nope. I can't wait till we go to Atlanta. That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun road trip. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All, all right, right, Nan. Thank you, and Frida. Next time, oh! Next time, no making sound effects and noises. She's looking it's at me. It's been a long day. She I had a know. Long day in the office. <laughs> yeah, but no sound effects during the interview. Okay, Frida. She was digging under. She the was wagon. digging. She I was heard her actively digging. digging. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where then, were you going? And then prior to that, she was panting because we made them turn the AC <laughs> I off. I know. So she, between the two, it's just an interesting soundtrack. It must be hard to be a Pomeranian in a human world. Is yeah. it? She, she just, just wanted to be heard. <laughs> right, right. We can interview her sometime. <laughs> <laughs> she just stuck her tongue out at you. <laughs> she said, shut up. <laughs> All right. Good night, Nan. Good night, Tracy. Good night, Frida. Good night, Frida.